Hello everybody and welcome to Volume 4, Issue 188 of the Cana Rinse Podcast. You can play along with Cana Rinse Volume 4 and our upcoming podcasts will include the topics Halo 3 ODST, after that it will be Dark Souls 2 and The Scholar of the First Sin, then Sensible World of Soccer series, and another for uh, 16-bit lovers, The Secret of Monkey Island following that, and then we return to Halo and uh, the prequel Halo Reach. Head to canarince.com for the full schedule, as well as the blog and links to our forum, Facebook page and YouTube channel, of course. And don't forget to check out our shop online merchandise store where you can buy quality stylish gear, Canarince t-shirts and uh, handy-dandy bags. Uh, And uh, by doing so, you will support the ongoing nature of the podcast. Please also remember to check out our video games music podcast, Sound of Play. We're up to 20 of those now, actually more by the time you hear this. And as always, we ask you, we implore you, please review, rate, and best of all, subscribe to both of our podcasts on iTunes. And if you don't use iTunes, just generally uh, rate them through whatever organ you can, wherever. Just spread the word, basically. Tell your friends. Joining me, Leon Cox, in this issue, James Carter. Hi, do Ryan Heyman. Hello there. And returning guest, no longer of Joystick, but now of A Rebellion. The Rebellion, Sinan Kuba. <laughs> the Rebellion, the French Rebellion, or the, the English Rebellion. The American <laughs> Rebellion, I think, actually, isn't it? In, they're an American company, aren't they? Or are they the British company? Well, a British company. Co- the Kingsley know. Brothers. Of course they are, but the Kingsleys, yes. Yes, do you, absolutely. Do you, do, you, uh, do you polish the, the shoes of the Kingsley Brothers? Is that your new job? Only on Wednesdays. <laughs> and what do you do the rest of the week without going into too much, you know? Uh, so I do, uh, I do a lot of their PR stuff, uh, coordinating with uh, press and doing a lot of marketing. Uh, so uh, as, as people call it, the dark side. you've you've gone that route but uh, yes yes, but absolutely but no well done on finding another gig after the shocking and sudden end of uh, sad end of joystick Um, yeah anything hot you can tell us from Rebellion that's not a secret Um, Battlezone that's the big thing that we've been doing we're doing a a remaster of the uh, 1998 game and we're doing a virtual reality reboot of the old classic Atari uh, arcade game which and it looks super hot it really does look great so that's very um, cool yeah 
yeah, keep, we, stay tuned. We would like uh, Kane and Rince would uh, would definitely consider doing a show on um, on Battle Zone things because there are a number of games that carry the name. Um, obviously, going back to that original. So um, yeah, watch this space. Uh, we might we might tap Sinan up for some early access or something. You never know. Uh, so Geometry Wars series in this podcast. Uh, spoiler warning, as we always give out. Uh, here it comes. You do die at the end. Uh, <laughs> that's all I can say about that. So then the main name I think of when uh, I think of Geometry Wars is Stephen Cakebread, who, uh, who was uh, one of the senior coders at uh, Bizarre Creations. And famously, uh, Geometry Wars made its debut within Project Gotham Racing uh, two uh, back in in two thousand and three, um, I find this all quite confusing in my mind. Um, you know what came first, but but I, I I've hopefully I've given us the order that things happened here. So yes, back in November two thousand three, obviously people went crazy for Bro- Project Gotham Racing two. The the first PGR was uh, pretty much a launch title for the original Xbox, and was the follow up to Metropolis Street Racer, of course, on on the Dreamcast. Um, but here was this game. Uh, that sat in your virtual arcade in in Project Gotham Racing 2. And I don't know about you chaps, um, but I have memories of uh, sort of hidden or or secret bonus extra mini-games in games, and they can be an incredibly mixed bag. Um, I'm thinking about the the unlockable uh, Space Invaders-type game that was in Mortal Kombat 2, I think it was, which is just utterly appalling. Just completely, you know, there's there's the, like the three-second novelty of, oh, they've hidden a retro shooter in my Mortal Kombat game, but it's unplayable. So... I think when I thought that I saw that there was an arcade machine in my Project Gotham Racing um, garage, I probably wasn't expecting very much. Um, was I the only one who played this first Geometry Wars? I mean, it kind of it, it it's also included with the with the um, the retro evolved release for three sixty as a kind of um, an extra, but it doesn't save high scores or anything. But did anyone else play this this first bare bones Geometry Wars from two thousand and three? I, I I didn't. I knew about it. Yeah, I'd heard about it at the time, uh, but I didn't have an Xbox, original Xbox, and oh. also never played a Project Gotham Racing game, uh, so that was always going to be an issue. Oh. But um, I definitely knew about it, and I, re- I remember even then hearing a little bit of buzz about that because it was a it was a cool extra. Um, yeah. So it was that buzz was very very early, even even without like initial release. Yeah. So anyone who's got. Uh, retro evolved uh, either on xbox live arcade from uh, late 2005 or or, or uh, project Gotham racing 3 uh, which uh, where it was uh, stowed away again i think in the in the garage um will have seen the original geometry wars which is simply called uh, retro version in the menu of of retro evolved um actually i don't know if they included it in the the pgr3 version or whether it was only on the XP, xbla version but you'll see that it's um it it has a lot of of the you know the um, the fundamentals of of the Geometry Wars series. You're a little angular ship uh, on a on a static in this case uh, square playing area. It doesn't scroll. It's uh, it's not widescreen. Um, but there you are with your with your ability to shoot in multiple directions. Um, it's got 
a lot of the familiar shapes that you'll know <laughs> we're going to be doing a lot of this referring to uh yeah it's got the blue diamonds and it's got the purple <laughs> fans and it's got the annoying green ones that run away from you uh, it's got the it's got the red black holes and and all this stuff and um i do still occasionally play it on uh on the xbox live arcade version um just out of curiosity but as i say the the fact that there's so many um kind of uh, enhanced options that came after it mean that it's uh, it's probably not that much more than a curio now and it and it doesn't save uh, doesn't save your high scores it doesn't have an online leaderboard or anything like that but um but it was it, it, i had fun with it at the time i probably played as much geometry wars as i did project gotham racing 2 and i know we, we've got some massive fans of pgr2 on the cana rinse team who are forever uh, haranguing me to to include it as a uh, uh, as a main as a main podcast but um hasn't happened yet but geometry wars for me uh, i come i come from the old days um, um we, we we haven't got time to do a history of twin stick shooters but but uh, famously it really st- all starts with robotron 2084 in uh 82 uh anyway eugene jarvis's um legendary twin stick shooter which you could also buy um from very early on on xbox live arcade which is still uh an incredibly intense sweat inducing um pure skill twitch uh twin stick shooter and geometry wars takes a lot of those ideas but um rather than the eight-way joystick twin eight-way joysticks of robotron and and a lot of games that that followed it um it of course has twin analog sticks which allows pretty much uh 360 movement and uh and firing i don't know if it is actually 360 i don't know whether it's 255 directions or what and one of the things i want to talk about with you all as we go through the series is is the actual feel of controlling the ship because for me i think it gets a little bit just subtly but recognizably smoother and more responsive with each with each game in the series certainly um all the ones that that Stephen Capebread uh, made i feel like he was he was sort of constantly refining the the feel of controlling the ship but let's move on to retrovolt because i think for a lot of people that is where it started uh, even though it was already the sequel uh so this was um this came out obviously very early in the Xbox 360's life which meant that um i think people were you know keen just to have something in their xbox live arcade libraries so i didn't get my uh, 360 until late 2006 but it was one of the first things i downloaded it was like 40 meg or something like that it's it's tiny file um and it was just for me it was just perfect just to flip between you know if I, between big games as it were just pop into uh, pop into the uh, the live arcade via the blades remember those mm. and, and have a blast <laughs> of geometry wars so so who else was there at the start for retro evolved I had this one. I got an Xbox 360 right at lunch, and my cousin actually got me a couple of games for that that Christmas. Um, games that I, I w- weren't particularly on my radar got me Quake 4 and PGR 3, which, um, you know, neither of which were series that I was hugely invested in, but I ended up having more fun than I thought that I would with both of those. Um, PGR 3, I was... Uh, not so much into simulation racers, but I was very much impressed by Geometry Wars Retro Evolved, which was um, it's a part of that experience, as we've mentioned, in a similar way to the way that Geometry Wars, the original, was in PGR2. Um, actually, kind of got me 
excited when I learned that there were little arcade games in Grand Theft Auto 4. Like, well, if this is the if this is the level of quality from these little arcade <laughs> games that we can expect to find in these big well, budget releases. <laughs> yes and no. Sometimes, yeah. yes. Yeah, I was yeah. a bit disappointed by that to find that this was not the uh, the trend. This is more the exception to the rule. But um, yeah, so I, I played it through Project Gotham Racing. And I downloaded the demo for the Xbox Live Arcade, which was actually a tremendously generous demo. Like, it let you mm. play the main mode, I, I think, just until you died. I don't know if there was a time limit on it or anything. But I can't remember. It, was, uh, it might have been one life, or it may have been... or it may Because the timed mode came, came into fruition on the, on the sequel. But, mm, um, but right. yeah, I remember, I remember it being... I remember giving it a go yeah. uh, before I unlocked it, but... I immediately I only needed one go to know that I was going to mm. I was going to shell out 400 Microsoft points or whatever it was. <laughs> yeah, I, I found myself playing the demo quite a bit and really enjoying it and um you know deciding to buy the full version because I'd been playing it for like months at that point. And uh, I think once I unlocked the full version nothing really changed for me like I still played it the same way. I still got just as far as I had before like I kind of feel yeah. like I mean, I'm, I'm glad to support these people with my money, but I don't feel like paying really unlocked anything new for me. It was such a generous demo to begin with that I, I could have been just fine. Surely, surely uh, that's the, the key exactly point. I was yeah, say, yeah, that's yeah. true. It's yeah. not really something that I'm hugely interested in, but um, that's, yeah. That's weird um, because I would have thought that to be to be interested enough in Geometry Wars to to be on this podcast, you'd surely have had some uh, <laughs> some motivation of high scores uh, with, you know, friendly challenges on your friends list and all that sort of thing. But no, it's just the pure the pure um, immersion of shooting shapes. I'm in it for the laser light show myself. Uh, yeah, yeah, as far as comparing <laughs> myself to my friends, I don't know. I've never really connected with leaderboards in that way. Like, to me... Somebody else playing a game in their own space is such like an abstract experience. Like, I don't know how much time they've spent with it. I don't know what their <laughs> playing conditions are like. Like, I, it's just, it, it's hard for me to compete with people when I'm not like sitting there right next to them on the couch and we're both having the same experience and we can see what the other person is doing. You know, leaderboards is like, they could have found some secret strategy that I've never, ever been aware of. And so I don't really even feel like we're competing on the same level. But that's just probably that's me being a sore loser for appearing right at the very bottom every single time. So. <laughs> now, that's an interesting uh, thing that we can talk about because, I, you know, I know that um, particularly – uh, I have done score chasing with Sinan here on uh, on the most recent <laughs> Geometry Wars, so so we'll we'll come back to that later. The actual philosophy of of um, of score chasing and, and trying to beat your friends It's something that a lot of our correspondents mention. But I find this interesting. Um, obviously, before the advent of online leaderboards, for many 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 years, um, short of looking at the high scores printed in computer games magazines and things like that or shared online. Um, you were always competing against yourself and the game, so that's quite normal. But for me, one of the, the most fantastic advents of the online console era was the friends leaderboard list and the fact that you could now um, you could now go up against your friends instead of these abstract. Uh, I mean, are you, you know, I, I can go back to having almost the same experience back at, at school when me and my friend Simon. Uh, who's guested on Sound of Play before, we were both playing Archer McLean's Drop Zone, which is a clone of Defender, which is by Eugene Jarvis as well, who also made Robotron. And we used to just simply go into school each day and say, you know, what score did you get last night? And it was, you know, and and uh, 
I won. Just like to mention that, <laughs> Simon. Um, but yeah, I, I find that level of competition actually inspires me to to play on. And I, I went back to this uh, retro evolved geometry was. I mean, I've never really been away from it. I've I've had it pretty much installed on my three hundred and sixty for nine years now since I got one, and I've been back to it in advance of recording this podcast and uh Kana Rince's Carl and Kana Rince's Tony are still taunting me on that leaderboard with their massive scores of of one million plus well well over a million because and I think their motivation I think it was a combination of factors for a start there weren't that many XBLA games at this point so people were focused which which I think is is one of the is a great thing about the early life of any console is it gets people to all be playing the same game. We had this with Resogun at the end of 2013, early 2014 on the PS4. People felt they didn't have much to play, so they just played a lot of Resogun and you got these fantastic leaderboard battles. But also achievements, I think, in this game um, for people who people who care about achievements there were some really tough ones and I think that's what kept Tony and Carl playing and playing and playing. But one of the things I want to mention about Geometry Wars early on, the whole series this is true of, is that it's a weird thing because your high score increases exponentially um, and because of multipliers. Now, at first, this was just the multiplier just goes up in the original Retro Evolve. Just the more you play, the more your multiplier goes up and your power ups change. The geoms don't come in until 2007. But you, uh, so I went back to this game and I outscored my previous best by about 150,000, which in reality was probably about another 25 seconds of gameplay because because of the nature of the beast. But I realised that to get to Carl and Tony's scores, which are above mine and a few other friends, I would probably only have to stay alive, keep keep enough ships together to live for another minute or something like that. That's the intensity of Geometry Wars, kind of in a nutshell, I think. That's, it's, it's that importance of having something to chase that makes you realise that you can achieve that score and therefore you know you can better your own score. I mean, I, I returned to getting ahead of ourselves Retro Evolved 2 and, and beat a couple of my scores just this week. Which so good, I, isn't it? Yeah, and, and, and I, you know those were scores that I couldn't beat for love nor money when I was playing the game maybe two or three years ago and then just suddenly seeing a couple of people who I could beat uh, or a couple of people ahead of scores I posted a, a few years ago and thinking, well, I've got to beat that. And I did because I had to, because I had to beat the scores. I had to beat top of those leaderboards. So um, I think it's just it, having something to chase is so was at least to me was a huge part of these games. James, did you start at uh, this this uh, this era of retro uh, Geometry Wars retro evolve? Uh, this this era, but not right at the uh, the Xbox three hundred and sixty release because I didn't have one until two thousand and seven. Okay, um, but certainly uh, I, the the Xbox three hundred and sixty when I first got one came with PGR three, so I was happily in that garage. Um, playing on that arcade machine and um yeah. yeah i think what what my my opinion of uh, getting the um then picking up the uh, demo version is all you would need to do to this game is take out the high score record and the leaderboard and suddenly that's everyone can play and get as good as they want but without those things that's a massive incentive to to want to play the game uh, and so just sort of poodling about on the uh, arcade machine in PGR3 was enough for me to realise that I'd kind of got everything I wanted out of PGR3 and uh, traded that in but I was quite happy to uh, to hook my 
console up to the internet, which at that point it wasn't routinely. I had to actually no. go to the router and physically plug it in and get on to download it and uh, and every so often hop back on to update um, achievements and leaderboards and stuff. Um, but yeah, I think the other thing about it being so small is I think in, in those days there was a 50 megabyte limit on arcade was. games, so that'll be yeah. why it was that small, but um, it's an odd thing to think of nowadays. Yeah, they soon started uh, ramping that yeah, limit up because they realised that they Braid couldn't even fit. Yeah, and stuff like that, they were up to yeah. 250 megabytes and, and yeah, yeah, eventually just nixed the cap altogether. But Yes, yeah. yes, it was uh, understandable, but uh, very much of its time. So, so here's the thing. I mean, today's actually the first day I ever played Geometry Wars Retro Evolved, the first one. Oh, okay. I, 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 I missed it out. Uh, I missed out on on 360. I only got my Xbox 360 into in uh, 2008. Um, so I immediately went to Retro went Evolved to two. 2. Yeah, mm. because that was already out. Um, so knowing that we were going to talk about it on the show, I bought it today on Steam, oh. of all things, um, and was immediately shocked to find that my three pound purchase uh, required just a minute to download at yeah. 50 megabytes it was really surprising that uh, I, I couldn't think of uh, I'd completely forgotten about that rule about, about arcade games being only 50 megabytes and Maybe here you screen. go there's this uh, complete game that takes a second <laughs> to download yeah. on these uh, modern internet speeds so well, yeah it's you know when you think about it it's it's just a it's just a bunch of lines <laughs> yeah, exactly. um you know there's a tune but it's just got it's just got the one piece of music um menus are very uh you know bare bones Straightforward, uh, obviously yeah, yeah. yeah presentations quite yeah straightforward sim- uh you know for obvious reasons um because they had they had this because they had this limit yeah the windows version didn't arrive actually until um, march 2007 so sometime later um and the thing i find now going back to retro evolved is how much lower resolution it looks in retro evolved 2 um i don't pc version may be uh, not so this may not be so prevalent because you can can you select resolutions can you, you can so it I, I cranked it up to to, to 1920 by 1080 ah, but it's, it still go. looks like a game that's been cranked up to <laughs> 1920 okay. so that's really interesting because it was one of the first games when I think it was the first game when I got my first uh, HD ready screen in 2007 that I wanted to look at. I wanted to because I, th- I thought, well, this game's going to show off HD really well because of its pure clean lines, its mm. contrast. Um, and, it, and it did look nice. But I think it was I think it was only it must have been 720 or less um, in, in, in the way it runs. I mean, it, it, it's uh, it's super slick, super fast. I'm sure it's all it's constant 50 frames, even when all mayhem is going off and it only takes a few minutes in this game before the screen is absolutely chocker with with what seems like hundreds of uh, or thousands of sprites they're not sprites they're made of polygons i know um but switching back now between because re- for me um jumping ahead here but retro vol 2 still looks absolutely astonishing yeah, yeah it um it's just so clean and pristine and glowing and magnificent and vibrant it looks like all the all the things that jeff minter was trying to do on the like on the vic 20 and the commodore 64 back in the 80s but absolutely perfect and um and going back to retro evolve one it looks a little fuzzy around the edges and a little murky and that's that's really strange because it because it sure didn't back in 2006 i do love the aesthetic of these early games in that they they evoke that kind of arcade feel uh, in a very yeah. different way than a lot of modern arcade games do. A lot of them will throw back to the really um, just nicely and very intricately drawn sprite art, 
Whereas this one tends to be evoking more of the vector art type games. I mean, That's it, obviously yeah. it, it's still, it, it's very difficult to replicate the magic of those old vector games because they were so, um, there was like a physical presence to the items on screen and everything was extremely responsive and just felt really wonderful to play. But this one, I think gets the closest of anything that I've seen to being, uh, to feeling like a, like a true old school vector game, which is not something you see a lot. I completely agree. It's something we it came up recently on a on a sound of play we were doing because I was talking about um, uh, uh, an art book press uh, press start is that push start anyway. It's an art book with with uh, a lot of screenshots of old games and the and the um, the included re- uh, vector graphics games are just done a horrible disservice by this book because they're clearly um, they've clearly taken the shots through emulation and they're absolutely they're incredibly jaggy you know they're like they're they're completely the opposite of what vectors look like which is completely devoid of jaggies because it was by because definition, vector yeah. monitors worked by in some other i don't, don't know the exact technology but they didn't have scan lines and pixels in the same way as as cathode ray tubes did and the the I guess the 1920 by 1080 that that presumably Retroevolve 2 runs at, I guess, you know, with the file size being um, expanded and Stephen Cakebread and, and, and the small team that worked on this game having had another couple of years, uh, actually three years between between the two games to kind of improve their tech. The Yeah, you're absolutely right, Ryan. Geometry Wars Retroevolve 2 in particular is so smooth, you know, at running at that resolution that it looks like it could be running on a vector monitor. There's there there are so few, you know, artifacts or or jaggies or whatever mm-hmm. you want to. I think the call um, them, there's an interesting thing about these games where if you were to work backwards through them, I could almost see a situation where you would look at three and think, oh, this is a throwback to Asteroids or something like that. Mm. Um, and then you would go back to two and say, "Oh no, actually, there's way more going on in in three that you can do." Two is is what looks like, and then you'd go back to Retro Evolved, and then back to actually original Geometry Wars. But it's all still actually, if if you've ever if you've recently gone back and looked at an asteroid screen, it it's not the same thing. But it, it does really evoke that sort of thing, uh, and that original Geometry Wars, especially uh, in Retro Evolved, if you go into the Retro. Um, uh, mode it it really does to me it just puts me back in playing asteroids um, way back when even though technically they are vastly different games um, but there is that lovely throwback to that and the simplicity and retro evolved of just two modes you just play you might be able to make games out of it through achievements or whatever you know, like pacifism etc um, but ultimately no this is one game mode that's the game you know really straightforward it's not yeah not expanded yeah, out yeah, focused. At this stage yeah yeah definitely yeah which i think in some ways uh, it works for it and it certainly worked for it at the time there, there are certain little um intriguing quirks to it such as i believe in in retro evolved um whereas in a lot of games you would earn a, a new life and a smart bomb at the same score bracket they're slightly staggered in retro evolved so you don't get a bomb and a life at the same time so you're constantly kind of trying to work to the next um barrier uh to to get either a bomb which can you know a smart bomb which can save your life or uh or or another ship which gives you another life Seventy five thousand and a hundred thousand, i believe right uh, yes i'm struggling yes. to remember which way around i think it's bomb first then yeah, life. It would i be, think yeah. that makes sense yeah yeah 
yeah so and that's interesting in itself and then yeah i mean actually i think some of the modes that came in later uh, later games were born out of the achievements yeah. for the for the original Very 360 much, yeah. version yeah. such as i think it's is it survivor minute without pacifism is, is yeah that's the name yeah. of the achievement yeah survivor minute yeah which has you tearing around the edge of the screen <laughs> trying to avoid everything <laughs> yeah, it took me a while to get that one, and, and they really went to town on the second game, which which we'll come on to. But before we do move on to the second game, um, I just want to talk about if we can describe... Um, it's one of those hard things uh, to actually do, but what it is that makes the game work beyond the uh, the simple fact of, you know, shooting stuff is fun, um, that... I think there's something about the balance of the enemy types and also the pace, uh, the rhythm at which new sprites are thrown onto the screen. Mm-hmm. Even though you know there's a music track playing, which you can actually mute, of course, because it's uh, you have to be able to on a 360 game. It's it's the rules, um, but it feels like the whole game is kind of played to a beat. Do you know what I mean? So oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. even when when the, the the new monsters' enemies are warping in it feels like it's always on a pulse. There's always a constant sort of um, organic kind of throb of new enemies coming in. And the game really, as well as the slick uh, 360 or have many degree control and firing, is your constant visual acuity of managing the the particular uh, recipe of enemies that come on the screen at any one time and knowing exactly what mr green is going to do or 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 80 85 mr greens whatever comes on at one time um and knowing how to manage the screen manage the screen space retro evolved also brings in scrolling so you have to um obviously if if you're hard of hearing this wouldn't work but i, I you use a lot of audio uh if you can hear it to to manage what's going on around the screen particularly when it comes to the the black holes um which are you know can be a route to to uh, boosting your score in themselves you allow you allow enemies to get sucked into the black hole but that causes the black hole to start to become unstable and then you can shoot it to calm it down there's just all these little tiny micro games going on within just shooting stuff i think it would be very easy to dismiss the game as just you just point at everything and fire at everything but actually I've, i think your brain is working 90 to the dozen to play geometry wars I, th- I think you're touching on it exactly, Leon. I think I'd go further than saying that it, it's played to a beat. It's almost like, um, and this is sort of taking the devils in the details thing a bit far, but maybe it, it feels to me like almost every single component is working together to make that whole experience feel as part of a singular aesthetic or feeling, that arcade feeling. And it feels like yeah. every little part is contributing to that. Um, and this goes beyond things like graphics and sounds. This is things like just, the, for example, on Geometry Wars 2, the menu is such a huge part of why that game yeah. uh, is successful. Um, and it makes you appreciate how important a UI can actually be to a game. Just, just, uh, and it's, it's things like that. Every little bit, little detail feels like it's part of a singular experience that is driving you to keep on playing and keep trying. And, um, in fact, I'd say that's why it's getting a bit ahead of ourselves. Why for me, Retro Evolved Two works so well, mm. and maybe why Retro Evolved Three has some issues. I'm completely with you on that, but we will definitely come back to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, so, yes, yeah, so I suppose what we're we're kind of talking about here is is nuzzling on the edge of uh, a thing that people often say about these games, in particular, which is getting 
in the zone. The, the and I think that I think rather than just wheel that cliche out, we should try and talk about what that actually is and what that means. So for me, I think it's it's one of those games where if you watched if you watch a video back of yourself playing it, which I don't think I'm not even sure if three brings this. Does it does it bring in the option for replays? I'm not sure anyway. I don't but think so. No, no. But it's a game where if you watch somebody else or even footage of yourself playing it, you would. Once it really starts to ramp up, you would actually think, well, that's impossible. You know, how, how did you avoid all those? How did you know to go there? How did you know there was, there, were just enough, there was just enough space to squeeze through there and go into that corner of the screen? And then make your, you know, you're making dozens of decisions every second and telling, you know, telling your thumbs to act them out. And, you know, and that feedback loop continues. And I suppose being in the zone is... is getting to that place where you're you're doing that stuff where you're no longer consciously yeah. thinking about it yeah it's, it's bypassing that conscious phase where you're acknowledging that you're making decisions i don't know enough about the way that the brain works to to understand no. which which mechanic or not mechanical but which um particular processes you're bypassing but it does feel like you have consciously switched off and you are allowing your your hands and eyes to coordinate directly almost the brain is not interfering with that you're literally you're responding faster than conscious thought allows you to almost in that in that kind of way um it's i think part of it very much is what you said leon about the fact it feels like there's a rhythm even though this isn't a rhythm action game even in the way that something like res is um it feels like there's a rhythm if you happen to be having a bad run and you're failing out you know within 60 seconds a few times in a row you really start to hear, okay, I've got that enemy, the other one's going to be coming now, and you know when the next enemy's coming, and once you get too far in, there's too many enemies, so you're not really worried about when the next group are coming in, so much as dealing with the ones that are still there, but at the beginning, you really get a, a sense of the that pulse, that beat on which you've had enough time to deal with these enemies, here's the next lot. And then again, and it feels like the pulse quickens, but I'm not sure if it does. I think it may just be that there's more enemies come on screen. Um, That's a good question, actually. (laughs) Because by the time you get to that point, I've either switched off conscious thought or I've panicked so much I'm dead and I'm out. So (laughs) I've never actually been able to take that on uh, on board. But yeah, I'm not sure. And and talking of things that. Yeah, you, even though you know you've played this a lot, as have we all, and you're thinking, "Oh, how does this actually work? Does it actually get faster?" I'm also thinking, I know that on three, uh, you get you essentially get a kind of ghost outline of the enemies that are warping in, but I couldn't mm. actually tell you how because I, I'm sure there is some way in which you see the enemies coming together on the earlier games. Mm. Are they at least they do they form out of pixels or something like that, or there's some sort of they don't just they don't just literally appear on the play screen, do they? Um, but I get the feeling that there's again there's some sort of preparation going on in your mind. Is it is it, is it audio? Is it yeah yeah? Is it visual? I, I wonder if it's color for something like Retro Evolved Two mm. because those are all very color coded enemies. Yeah. Mm. But like even now thinking about it, I couldn't tell you in that, no, that game. I mean, there has to be something <laughs> because yeah. otherwise you don't die when they just exactly. appear on top of you. You, exactly. you don't have to know to move out of the way, so there has to be something. But yeah. I, I, and I know what it is for Retro Vault, or rather uh, Dimensions, but I can't think of what it is for the other games. I don't, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know why that is, but yeah. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the other thing is, uh, I had headphones on for um, playing some Dimensions last night. Um, again, early on, 
I could tell which corner enemies were coming from, even playing the retro evolve mm. mode on it. Um, before the color came in, I could hear the direction, even just on stereo headset. I knew whether it was top right, top left, bottom right, bottom left. Um, mm. There's a very subtle change in whether it, which side it Sound is, and whether it's yeah. front or back, as it were, um, which is yeah. really cool as well. Is it actually a is it a, actually a, a five point one mix then? And and would you miss that if because I I always think of it as just being a game that must be as you know because like old mm. it, a Robotron game would be just in stereo. Yeah, uh, yeah no, yeah. it wouldn't even be in stereo. It'd be in mono. It was it was in well, early eighties. As I say, a stereo headset I had on, so there's no reason. Yeah, yeah. But I still knew whether it was top or bottom. Not as reliably so as like, of... whether it was left or right, but I certainly sure. several times I was like it's top, and it was more often than just a fifty fifty chance would That's would allow me. So yeah. Yeah. Yes. So uh, in 2006, a uh, the first mobile version came along. I don't. I'm going to guess none of us played this no. mobile version because this is even this is pre iOS even uh, and Android. So, uh, but that happened. Um, published by Sony, which seems um, very strange, ironic somehow. <laughs> and this was Geometry um, Wars uh, Evolved. Is that right? Yeah. This is the yeah. This is the, the a mobile version of the 360 version, as far as I understand it, for whatever the mobile phones of the day were in the mid-2000s, which I can't... My brain won't even... Because I, I don't if care that much about mobile. Sony, I wonder if it was... Um, this is a guess. I shouldn't even say this because I have no basis. But I wonder if it was <laughs> a Sony phone at the time that they wanted to bring it to... They developed a few games for the Sony Ericsson line, and that yeah, was kind of yeah. the philosophy behind the PSP Minis, I believe, or something yes, like that. Yes, it was originally, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. They wanted yeah, to turn the Sony Ericsson line of phones into kind of more of a gaming, casual it was gaming platform. The, the quote-unquote PlayStation phone days where it never really quite happened because of the two mm. parts being disparate, but yeah, there was that notion, uh, yeah. I, I can honestly say I wouldn't have wanted to play it because taking away the twin analog sticks. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. Although we'll come back to that with yeah. Yeah. with galaxies, but um, but I think controlling it on a whatever you would have had on a mid two thousands phone, like a little one of those little clicky pads or a, or just button, number buttons. I, that I might don't have know. been the era of at least some of the Sony Ericsson phones had a like a mini joystick in the middle of a four way. Okay, but it yeah. would have been probably four directional only, I would imagine. So yeah, yeah who knows? Well, if anyone ever played that, let us know. If it, yeah, apologies if it for doing even... it a disservice. If, uh, yes, if it turns yes. out it's the best version, well, there maybe more of that to come. Um, and equally, I, I must admit, I never played the standalone version of Waves, but I think um, we may as well talk about the mechanics of Waves um, in advance of uh, Retro Evolved 2, where it, where it returns. So this came out in October 2007 as the hidden arcade machine in Project Gotham Racing 4, uh, which was the last Project Gotham Racing. Is that right? Yeah. Can, that be, yeah. can it be that long ago? It is, yeah. Yeah. 2007 so um and i remember the forums uh, gaming forums of the time being lit up with this game uh people were really looking forward to it having mm. played retro evolved on xbox live arcade and um and so i think uh without having played it myself this is pretty much exactly the same as the waves mode in uh, retro evolved 2 um so the kind of the the usp here is the fact that uh, as part of that pulsing rhythm of ever endlessly eternally warping in enemies uh rows and columns of these orangey uh rocket type enemies mm. that start off as like maybe a third or half a screen all they do is inexorably move from one side of the screen to the other 
but they keep warping in and they go and there's there's ones from the top there's ones from the bottom there's ones from the side left and right and so your new task here to stay alive is to constantly dig sort of cut yourself a hole through the through the waves and i have to say i find this mode one of the most stressful of all yeah, the yeah. Wars games. it feels like it every time i play it i think i love this mode there's something about it that's really alluring that should be straightforward it should be really simple <laughs> in whatever the tactic is and inevitably 30 seconds in i've died because i've done something stupid um and i'm i just hate myself for it i don't know what it is about this mode it it's draws toughy. me in and then throws me away it feels like being in part of a, a huge traffic accident and you're right at the centre <laughs> of it. Like every single time you're just caught when the flash the headlights of Yeah, you had to run across trucks. the M twenty five just at the middle of the middle of uh, the busiest time. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, I'm pretty sure Sinan, this is one of the modes that you've got one of the one of if not the highest score on my uh, oh, on my no. friends list. I'm, no? I'm, I'm well, at least on my list, I'm behind several people on this one. This oh, is okay. the one I really struggle with. Mm. Oh, okay, this, that's interesting. This and King are the yeah. two modes I really find horrible. Okay, is it is it is it the stress and the pressure thing, or is it the fact that you? Because I think this this mode perhaps. Um, more than any other is the one where you don't really get to manage the playfield. The playfield yeah. kind of manages you, doesn't it? I think it's. I, I, I certainly feel like I can't apply a strategy, and I've got strategies for all all the other modes yeah. in Retro Evolve Two. Um, and I just feels like I say within, like James was saying, within half a minute, I I feel overwhelmed every single yeah, time, yeah. and uh, that's how the mode is designed to make you feel. Mm-hmm. Ryan, did you invest much time in uh, in waves? Um, only a little bit. I. I, I do like that the uh, these orange triangle enemies were used in really interesting ways in Geometry Wars 3. It's where I felt mm. like they really kind of reached their potential. Um, Waves is where I, I believe, if I have all of this straight, or many of these games, but this is the one that introduced the geoms as multipliers, if that is correct. Uh, it would have done pretty much, yeah, because it came out around the same time as as Galaxies, which we'll move oh, on okay. to. So, but yes, this just this just predates um, Galaxies. So, I, yeah, I don't know exactly which game they were developed for, but yeah, the Geoms absolutely we must talk about Geoms. So, go ahead. Yeah, which is a um, an interesting mechanic where instead of your multiplier kind of progressively going up just through the course of normal play, as we've talked about before, the enemies mm. once defeated leave behind these little green glowy bits that you have to actually physically go over and collect yourself Changes to increase your multiplier. Mm. And, you know, this game being um, a, a shooter, essentially, you know, you're doing most of your most of your attacks at range, and it, it's best to keep all of your enemies kind of at a uh, more than arm's, arm's length, length away yeah um, for sure and so you know there are uh, maybe not so much in this game because the the enemies follow in very predictable patterns but in the other games you are employing a lot of these kind of like u-shape hurting type of uh strategies that you would be using mm. in um i guess those bullet hell type games to manage enemies get them all in a group together blast them from the other side of the screen and just bugger off somewhere else entirely yeah um but yeah these uh these geoms that are left behind kind of encourage you to dig through the wreckage go back to this what might Mm -hmm. still be the most uh dangerous and contentious area on the map and you know really take those risks to increase your multiplier and uh and and exponentially increase your score so that added a really neat new element to the series huge uh, game changer or shifter at mm. least i mean yeah in terms of style of play 
whereas the original Geometry Wars and the first Retro Evolved, as you say, you can pretty much, you know, it, it's not necessarily recommended um, actually for, for high-level play, not that I can talk, but, <laughs> it, it, you know, um, hiding in the corners of screens is, is a strategy. But if you do that from the time geoms are brought in, you, you you need to stay alive for longer and longer and longer to get a decent yeah, score. Yeah. But because exactly because you say of the multiplier being so crucial, by the time you're a few minutes into a game of uh, of Retro Evolve 2, any mode, pretty much, um, your multiplier should be up in the hundreds and th- you know, thousands multipliers. And that means that staying alive for another 5, 10, 15 seconds can transform your score from a mediocre one to a leaderboard testing one. So going after those geoms becomes, yeah, crucial for, mm-hmm. for, for decent play. Because you, you, what's the point in staying alive for longer? You're ultimately going to die anyway, unless you're getting a, a decent score. Yeah. I mean, that is, you know, although although you say, Ryan, you're, you're right to enjoy the, you know, the colours and the lights and the shapes and, and the general feel of just popping enemies and the, and the millions of particles flying around the screen. But actually, the, the reason for staying alive longer, as well as your own satisfaction, is to, is to, get, those, to get those big numbers mm-hmm. uh, up. Well, and that becomes and, even more of an issue in yeah. Dimensions, which obviously we'll get on to, but um, ignoring the score no longer becomes an option in some of the modes in Dimensions. Um, Indeed, yes. But yeah, I love the fact that a lot of the strat- strategies in Retro Evolved, talking about strategies like I have strategies, a lot of the strategies <laughs> I have heard and read about in Geometry Wars Retro Evolved um, are keep-away strategies. You know, there there are strategies where you just you dodge everything, keep flying away from all the enemies and shooting behind you um that that's not an it really isn't an option if if you as you say leon are intending to try and and be even just your own score you want to be chasing geoms which means you're flying towards all the time uh mm. you, you want to be shooting in the direction you're going because that way you get geoms yes yeah, it just fundamentally changes the the game altogether um, the introduction of geoms at the very beginning did kind of bottleneck the strategies like that in a way that um you know, it was an interesting mix-up to the system for people who have been playing from the beginning, mm. but it did kind of take away from the viability of alternate strategies, which is usually something that I really appreciate in these score-chasing type games, mm. is having multiple strategies and multiple play styles, which I think was reintroduced when they added those uh, little, I guess, robot buddies. I don't know. I, I guess mm-hmm. they're just shapes. I'm projecting onto them, um, seeing <laughs> them as robots. Yeah, but, um, ups in three. Uh, right, yeah. right. Little assistants that will go and collect geoms for you or attack by your side. And so that does kind of reintroduce the multiple play styles. And so you can play a runaway game or you can play a very aggressive, you know, fire straight in front of you and drive into the middle of this barrier. Yeah, it's a really um, good point, actually. So, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's also interesting to look at this like chronologically because I, I had no idea geoms were introduced with waves. I I assumed it was uh, galaxies or retro evolve two, and just to think with waves. Actually, my initial strategy whenever playing waves in, in retro evolve two is to the first line of uh, arrowheads, as I call them, or rockets, as Leon calls them. <laughs> um, uh, is to, yeah, orange things. Um, is to shoot them all in the line so that I can quickly yes, sort of yeah, almost yeah. Hoover, up. Yeah. hoover them up. But it's not a strategy that you can really apply in any of the other modes in Retro Evolve 2 because you don't really get those lines yeah. so much. Yeah. So, yeah. But to me, I never quite realized maybe that was actually an evolution of that, of that design. It, mm. I, just, I always just assumed that was a, you know, a mode that happened to be in Retro Evolve 2. So it's interesting, like looking at how this series has evolved when you actually go game after game after game. Mm. 
Mm. I think the geoms and yeah. waves uh, kind of keep you from planting yourself in one place and just defending that spot, as would probably actually be a pretty decent strategy in this wave-based game. But instead, since you are shooting entire lines of people, you do have to, well, <laughs> again, not people. people. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Refugees. <laughs> um, but you are you having evil. to you know, maneuver around the screen and collect all these little gems, and that's keeping, uh, it's keeping everything very dynamic mm. and keeping you from maintaining a little safe space, a little base yes. of operations. Yeah. And so you're constantly being faced with, um, you know, it's like the end of vanishing point. Like you've just got this line in front of you and you're rushing right towards it, just hoping that you're going to get through before, you know, before the worst happens and it, it keeps everything moving. And so maybe this was actually the perfect place to introduce this new concept. I think one of the other issues about uh, sitting in the middle and trying to just cut holes as things come towards you in Geometry Wars is it becomes, well, firstly, it becomes very confusing. <laughs> I find yeah. that your brain just yeah. literally gets a bit spun out because, and let's not forget, it's not just the uh, orange doobries. It's also they start introducing uh, other regular enemy types enemies as start well. popping yeah. in just in random spots as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, but also... Uh, after a while, the waves you, you'll start to get two waves in the same direction, very in very short order. Yeah. So uh, yeah. it actually becomes: have you actually got time to cut through two waves of you know? Even if you've got fairly wide rapid shot bullets by this point, it can be hard to actually have enough time to cut cut a swathe through but, the. But uh, you can see why that through, tactic gate. seems so appealing because it feels oh, yeah. like moving is the wrong thing to do in some way. Yeah, it feels like you're just making a rod Throwing for your own back, into trouble. Yeah. You know? yeah. It's, yeah, absolutely. yeah it's bizarre this brings us neatly on i think to talk a little bit about some of the enemy types um and obviously different uh different games have introduced uh new ones uh, interesting thing i find is that even after playing geometry wars for well best part of nine years now various versions there are still certain enemies that i forget exist so i'll be playing for a while and you see you know purple um purple fan blue diamond um annoying greeny thing which is possibly i think the 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 green ones that try to avoid your bullets are possibly a key to the game in Mm. a way because everything else if it was just a case of things either trundling around ambiently and, and not really you know actually aiming for you or alternatively making a beeline for you i think the game would feel very different but every time a wave of green uh whatever what even shape they're sort of square but they've got a kind of circle in them or something they change the dynamic completely because they literally try to dodge your bullets they try to arc around you and hit you from behind and and whatever else they feel like they're alive more than any other yeah uh, any other shape down and chasing them or i've yeah yeah yeah. distracted down um pulled out a shape taken to the corner of the screen they can they can ruin your pattern ruin your rhythm um, but without them, I don't. As much as I hate them, I don't think it would be the game that it is without the green nasties. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm also thinking of um, every time I play Retro Evolved after I don't know how long. You know, a time stands still when you're playing these games. You get there's there's one enemy that hasn't been reused that much, which are these kind of little tiny ones, little like little bow ties or whatever that are, that kind of um, grow like a virus across oh, the screen. Swarms, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, sort of hive, little hive mind things. That almost, and I pretty yeah. much always end up using a bomb on those because it's I find it very yeah, hard yeah. to yeah, yeah still very hard take to, one shot to, get to take them. down and yeah, they seem to yeah. surround you very quickly. Um, uh, there's the 
horrible little ones which you can't shoot from the front <sighs> who make a beeline towards you. You have to look oh. around the back. They they also make you break your break your position mm-hmm. um, and have to move quick without thinking about necessarily where you're going next. And they've they've um, changed quite a bit yeah. game to game in terms of the way yes. they look and the way they they work have yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, those always get me. I, f- I always forget they're in the game when I go back to Retro Evolved, and then yeah, exactly. one of them makes a beeline yeah. at me, and, and I just dodge it, but I don't know what to do, and I suddenly panic, and that's it. Yeah. It's also it's interesting how your attitudes to enemies change as well with, di- with the different restrictions you have, and mm. even going back to something like just Retro Evolved Two, where you might have in Deadline a time limit, or um, yes. or just one life yeah. left in in Evolved, or I think it's, yeah. you get several lives, but. Um, yeah, like that actually changes. For example, the green stuff in Deadline, I will try to just either get them all in one go or not chase after one or two because you lose valuable seconds yeah. going after you know the one that will keep dodging your yeah, shot yeah, no matter what way you shoot it. Yeah. Oh, those little things. <laughs> um, I've always yeah. been annoyed by the snake guys. You have Snakes. to shoot the head. You shoot in the you head. can't shoot the the tails that kind of act as shields, slithering yeah. all over the screen there. Yeah, no, the number of times I swear I, I, I've hit them square on the head and it doesn't, I must have just clipped yeah. the side. They're really frustrating. Yeah, absolutely right. Mm. Yeah. I think collision detection is something worth mentioning. Um, uh, now, uh, one of the the real differences, back going back to the 80s, one of the, the real differences that you'd notice with games that felt fair and games that felt unfair was the hitbox for, um, for shoot-em-ups in particular. Uh, the Japanese uh, shooters tended to give you a generous... Uh, a, you know, a, a generously small hitbox on a larger ship, and that was something that um, I think a lot of Western developers didn't really pick up on. And now we talked about this in our cave, yeah. uh, cave shooters podcast, where the hitbox is actually now highlighted in, in a lot of shooters. You can literally see where it is. Um, but whereas I found there were a lot of frustrating shoot 'em ups back in the eighties, where the hitbox, you know, the collision detection was if there is a pixel of your ship which hits a pixel of an enemy bullet, you die. I think Geometry Wars pretty much works like that. I think it is it 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 feels pretty harsh. There's no scraping yeah. here. There's no there's no sliding past things and thinking, "Oh, I got lucky there." Yeah. I think pretty much connection is connection, and and I think it that works that cuts both ways. In, in as you say, James, in that if you're if you're firing three or five bullets across or whatever, and they're arcing out, if they all happen to miss the snake head and and go harmlessly wide then you're not going to get a kind of freebie yeah, yeah. it's it's going to be that precise but again i think that's really important for the feel of the game it never feels unfair it just feels precise and the fact that they give you the 360 degrees of shooting freedom it isn't something like if if the binding of isaac was this precise uh in that it only gives you you know four or maybe eight uh degrees in which you can shoot into that would be extremely frustrating because you'd always have to be trying to align yourself with your very limited um i guess degrees of of uh rate of fire but yeah yeah since you do have this freedom any failings in in your own aim always feel like your own fault yeah yeah absolutely um as i say i sus- my suspicion is and again i've not tested this that it isn't uh, it, it isn't actually 360 degrees because I think the game and, and your thumbs would struggle to differentiate between that many 
uh, degrees of difference, but it, it could well be the sort of the, the the notorious 255. But I don't know. Maybe maybe somebody's actually worked it out or whatever. Um, it's, um, it's certainly better than, as you say, Ryan, Binding of Isaac or going back to the two original Wolfenstein games, which are technically twin stick shooters, just on yeah, a keyboard, yeah. but they only yeah. have the um, the sort of eight directions and yeah. feel very stunted because of it. You know, it kind of have to do this sort of jimmying thing where you're moving to be able to shoot in that direction. Yeah. Um, Whereas, so that said, I think Robotron holds up, and that's yeah. eight directions. But it's 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 so uh, peerlessly designed around those eight directions that mm. that it that it kind of still works. And you know, part of the game is actually lining yourself up so that you know that things are always uh, in those compass compass directions away from you. But yeah. but yeah, this this is this is nice. You know, to to have analog some level of analog control in the modern era is uh, you know enables this game that wouldn't have been able to exist very easily or very cheaply hmm. back when digital sticks were more the thing now galaxies uh, as as i say came out soon after waves in 2007 i did not get to spend a huge amount of time with this unfortunately um it was co-developed with kuju entertainment and this was released on on nintendo platforms so the ds and the wii um, I played the Wii version a little um, and it had some interesting ideas which I think um, this sort of galaxy spanning mode where uh, each level would have different uh, ways of achieving and you could get grades. A lot of these ideas ended up not in Retro Evolve 2 but in the uh, the Lucid uh, developed game Dimensions. I know that people who played a lot of galaxies uh, on either handheld or, or Wii um, swear by it as as being a really uh, solid and interesting addition to the series but i think because of um the time it came out and the nature of the machines it was on i think probably one of the the most uh crucial things to mention is that of course on the ds we are going back to uh, we, we've now got a hybrid of digital and analog in a way because the ship is controlled with the d-pad but the shooting is controlled with the stylus so you've got a digi- digital ship movement, but you've got basically, un- you know, you've got completely free shooting. Um, I, I'm pretty sure it does. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's right. I'm pretty sure it uses the stylus rather than the other yeah, the opposite buttons. buttons. Yeah. yeah, and I think the Wii version, you do have, uh, you can have analog movement on a nunchuck or po- possibly a classic controller, but you can use the you can actually point, point on the screen yeah. with the Wii remote yeah. to shoot. So again, that kind of that mixes things up a bit in an in an interesting. I guess it means way. you're pointing directly or trying to point directly at the or on the enemy, as it were, or towards them. So it doesn't need to be. Yeah, no, no, but but that's what the way pixel, that you're going to mentally think of playing it is. Yeah, yeah. Actually, hit that. You know, almost <laughs> and actually point yeah. at it or hit the stylus on it. Um, yeah. Yeah, um, strange. One of the things that struck me about this, having already played, uh, having already seen waves in action, was that it was obviously a step down in terms of the number of pixels on screen, because um, you, you're on a DS and a, and a standard definition uh, console. Mm. Now, it, it certainly, I don't think, ruinous, but it does take for me, especially once you've been on to Retro Evolve Two, it does take a little bit of the appeal out of it. Um, going back to quite quite yeah, jaggy yeah. graphics, but in no way should it be considered something that put people off. If if there are big fans of the Geometry Wars series who haven't checked out Galaxies, I would recommend seeking out a copy because I think it does some interesting stuff. I think it even had online leaderboards. 
Um, and I think if you owned both versions, you could unlock extra stuff by, by mm. uh, you know, getting them to talk to each other. Yeah, I think you unlocked cool it extra levels or something like that, and an That's extra right. mode or something. It also yeah. introduced drones, didn't it? It was the seri- it was the the two games that introduced the uh, companionships. Interesting. Okay, that that does make a lot of sense. Um, yeah, it seems that it had a few ideas that the developers of three took on, whereas Retrovolve two, I guess, was already well under underway by the time that galaxies was being made so um perhaps fewer of its ideas came to that that 360 sequel interesting uh, did any did any of you actually spend any time with galaxies only a little bit i i think one of the big things that this one did is at least the wii version was um taking some liberties with the way that the grid was laid out it wasn't always mm-hmm. a rectangle and oftentimes yes. you could see outside of the bounds of the grid and you can see you can see enemies kind of coming and going you're right but you're I'd constrained to the grid and so it kind of uh i guess it, it changes the the dynamic between you and the enemies and you're kind of constrained to this little spot whereas they have that's much right. more freedom of movement that's a really yeah well remembered that's that that's something i, I remember being struck by at the time because you're shoot, you can be shooting towards enemies, but your bullets are basically dying at the edge of the screen. But if there's a load of a load oh, of blues or purples or whatever coming on, um, you yeah you, you're anticipating them and, and shooting in advance. My suspicion is also that uh, as I, th- I think I've noticed with the th- with the recent Vita version of three, the the slightly uh, less powerful host hardware meant that there's actually slightly less going on on screen. So it becomes the the whole the visual acuity aspect can actually be improved by mm. inferior hardware because on the on the 360, especially in Retrovolve 2, there is just so much stuff mm. kicking off, just so many yeah, pixels yeah. and particles yeah. and whatever else. Actually, having some of that taken away can make the game slightly easier. Interestingly, um, with what uh, you were saying, Ryan, about the the field of play not always being a rectangle, that's something that was taken forward into Dimensions, obviously in a more overt way. Uh, or I imagine so, um, but there is an enemy in in the third game or the the third main game. Sorry, <laughs> three. Yeah. Um, yeah, that does actually go outside the bounds of a rectangular grid as well, which is the the red circular enemy that gives you a lot mm. of geomes. It'll just shoot straight at you across the screen, but then it'll just carry on off the bounds of the screen if you miss it, because the idea is it's kind of a one shot. You know, it's the yeah, it's the uh, the same as something like. Um, Fruit Ninja, where you get the the one chance, the big bonus that flies across the, the flying screen. saucer yeah, and space invaders yeah, to yeah, take yeah, it further. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. I think it, I really enjoyed that introduction to free as well. It made a, it made a lot of uh, interesting changes to how you sort of played for a level. Mm. But uh, mm. just to, to get back to, to Galaxies, um, I think a real sign of how underplayed that game was, and I, like like you and Ryan uh, Leon, like I, I played it a little. I think at a friend's house maybe or something. Yeah. But I, I I researched it a fair bit because. Um, I did see the kind of similarities or that to, to it and, and free. Mm. Um, and when the reviews that came out for free, I was a bit surprised that actually a lot of other people had not made that connection to, yeah. to galaxies. Mm. I think yeah. it's just, it was a game that a lot of people did miss out on and, and didn't maybe just because it wasn't Wii and DS. Yeah. And, yeah, and by absolutely. that point, retro Evolve two was known to be coming as well. I think so. Yeah. 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 Uh, and, and arrive it did in the summer of arcade 2008, mm. Um, goodness me, it's quite a long time ago now, but I remember this being, uh, yeah, hotly anticipated because I think people, even though a lot of people had either, yeah, brushed uh, brushed against or, or not bothered with galaxies, um, there was still a lot of fondness for 
for Retro Evolved on, on Xbox Live Arcade. The yeah, Summer of Arcade, yeah. this was when Microsoft were um, doing lots of uh, video stuff. They, they're kind of heading back towards in that direction now. Um, but on the 360, lots of uh, you know inside Xbox stuff and, and um, other promotions and dashboard uh, widgets to look at and, and so on. And this lineup of games, I can't remember exactly what the 2008 lineup was, but um, but I remember it being a lot of very well reviewed games, and yeah. uh, none less so I think than than Retro Evolved 2. I think it did it get a nine out of ten in Edge, I think maybe and. Um, and a few other sort of notable high scores here, there and everywhere. And yes, going back to it now, um, it's a game that I've never, absolutely never uninstalled. It's, it's, mm-hmm. a, a, it's a game that is on my, my Xbox Live Arcade list, which is, you know, best part of 250 something, maybe best part of 300 titles. And it's an absolute stalwart. Um, it's a game that I can dip back in. If I play it for half an hour, not having played it for a, a six months or a year i'll be terrible <laughs> but exactly as you said sinan i'll nip back for a mode for a game of deadline or a game of evolved or even sometimes one of the more uh, obscure modes um and play it for an hour there's always a chance that you'll beat a previous score you know i'm not getting any younger i'm i've turned 43 now when this <laughs> game came out i was in my early 30s mid 30s rather um and i should be getting worse but actually practice and oh, uh, yeah. an experience go a long way to giving giving a chance. And as I say, I went back to Retro Evolve One for this podcast and got up my highest ever score. And similarly, I went back to Retro Evolve Two for this podcast, and uh, again got myself another few notches up the ladders of the leaderboards, which thankfully all still function. Yeah. Um, so I go back to my friends' leaderboards, and Sinan's still there taunting me. <laughs> Other people from Kane and Rince are still there, and I still have that sense that you know like so many people in this is more of a wider point i suppose but so many people in the world of gaming our peers our friends seem to play things and then just move on and just like it's always just about you know that right i played that game for a while and now that's finished but i don't work like that a game like this is a video game that now is part of my library in the same way that a classic album i don't just stop listening to it because it's six months old geometry wars retro evolved 2 is a game that I will always play. Um, and yeah, I, you know, the frequency may die down. Things, things may get in the way, but this game just doesn't age for me at all. It doesn't get any worse. It doesn't get any less appealing. In fact, if anything, it, it like going back to it, just looking at the marvel of, uh, I meant already described it, but I just think it looks so stunning. And I just think mechanically it's so refined and, and mm. the stuff that I think, Sinan and I are about are going to agree about on dimensions the it loses some immediacy in dimensions because the developers put in more menus more you have to press a button like six or seven times to get back to in, into a game or they did add a quick restart button but mm. to be fair but geometry was you've it was one of the first games that really brought the whole you can see the next high score on your friends list it's there it's on the screen this is how much you've got to go and it's also the two two button taps i think and you're back in the game and uh and that's all that stuff is is key there's there's so much but that that retro vault 2 and dimensions kind of points to about how we play games in a kind of psychological way um, at least for me anyway, maybe me and Leon and maybe no one else, but at least for us too. Um, and I know that I, uh, yeah, 
a lot of it is immediacy and urgency, but I think it's it's other stuff. There's stuff in the music, there's stuff in the visuals that all promotes that sense of one more go and mm. I'm going to beat this score. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep trying. And there are so many, especially Evolve 2, and uh, there are so many little touches which I just really want to get into. So um, one of the big ones for me, um, just to start off, is, is Deadline. The music in Deadline is one of the cleverest things I think I've seen in a, a game like Geometry Wars mm. in that um, every every section of that music is can be split into 30 second portions so if you actually listen to the whole tune or the whole three minutes of it there are six 30 minute portions um and each portion 30 seconds sorry yeah 30 second portions otherwise that'd be a really really long mode (laughs) um so the sort of first 30 seconds are very sort of introductory very slow sort of build up um then it gets a bit more uh there are a few more things that come into the music. There are a few mm. other other uh, in, I don't call them instruments, kind of noises, notes, whatever you want to call them. Then it's quite hyperactive for the for that middle minute. Then that last that penultimate thirty seconds is very sort of uh, you can almost hear it in your, if you listen to it now. It's kind of um, sort of building up to that big climax. It also if you can imagine like a, a, a sort of trance or party uh, a club tune that sort of has that that die down before the big finish or mm. something like that. And then the last 30 seconds is all just mad climactic rush, just making you, and it, yeah. it, it, uh, it's really, it's not just uh, clever in that it suits it. It actually, I find it worked for me in terms of gameplay cues. Like I, I actually took that sort of last, mm. that last 30 seconds, like that's when I need to start getting on with stuff and really making sure I'm building up that, that final score. Yeah, absolutely. Chris Chudley, the composer. Um, and I have to say, I was never a fan of the original Retro Evolve tune at all. I find it quite annoying. Um, but once the music ex- expanded out into Retro Evolve 2, where there's there's a different uh, different tune for each of the modes, um, I started to appreciate some some more some more of the work. And I think, I mean, the, the, you know, again, the first the first game's tune is there that is all there is and it sounds it sounds a bit kind of murky and generic to me um sort of housey trancey stuff um you know it, it it sort of fits the aesthetic but as a as an actual melody i found it just quite quite tedious um but yeah i think um you know it really got to go to town in 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 the the, the second numbered game and um yeah i think you're right i think it adds a lot and it's interesting that you know one of the, sh- the probably the last cane and rinse that i made with you sin and we were talking about pac-man championship edition which we're, we're saying almost exactly the same things about our love of this game as uh as as uh pac-man ce which um which there's a lot of commonalities aren't there between the two games and why, yeah. and why they work i think so other modes um we should talk about uh pacifism um <laughs> so this is the one where you cannot you cannot shoot um and it's all about leading an increasingly gigantic flock of uh blue diamonds whatever you want to call them through these gates which were introduced here or possibly in galaxies but as far as i know it was here um there are some cool achievements as well introduced in this game such as um killing a certain amount of enemies by bouncing bullets off of off of the gates back into the get into the play field stuff like this um but this this pacifism mode is i just found it for a long time painfully addict one more go-ish yeah. You know? oh yeah, yeah, yeah. um yeah. and i still find it 
maddening to just clip the edge of a gate <laughs> but again practice surprisingly you, you you know you might think well i can only be as good at, at this type of game as i can be and if anything i'm going to get worse at it because my my eyesight and my reactions are going to are going to get worse but i found that it's so much to do with strategy and mindset yeah. and confidence and yeah sort of if you go in with a fairly chilled kind of feel and you actually just think of it as yeah i'm in control i'm leading these around Herding, yeah this is yep. like one man and his polygon i'm going <laughs> through gate come by here pop there go another lot and every time you go through a gate you can you you know these gates have a wide area of this uh of, of effect on on the the, the explosion that goes yeah. around them and it only takes again um i don't know how long a mode a, a game of this takes to get onto them onto my leaderboard but it feels a lot longer than it is but it really it only takes to stay alive for another 5 10 15 gates and you're yeah, starting to look yeah, at seriously yeah. impressive scores i think one of the reasons it feels longer than it is is because it feels passive it, mm. it, especially at the beginning when I first started playing it, my inclination was right. There's an enemy. He's near a gate. Go and kill him. There's an enemy near a gate. Go and kill you know him. Personifying. Thomas was alone. Show is going to be a nightmare. <laughs> um, but obviously, then you realise no. I started playing in a more loopy style where you're literally herding That's these it. things together into really tight figures group. of eight and. Um, mm. There's nothing more satisfying than stringing together three gates in a row where you've got just a giant yeah. swarm surrounding you and just seeing all the geomes burst out. Um, and equally, nothing more disappointing than misjudging it and just one enemy being left alive because you didn't judge the, the blast radius, if you like, enough, and you just fly straight into it. Mm -hmm. It's just really frustrating. Yeah. But yeah, definitely one more go-ish. Um, and yeah, when you get into that rhythm, if you were to watch back some of my replays on this, I don't know how I dodge some of those groups of enemies. There's situations where I'm like, well, I'm never getting out of this. I'm surrounded. And yet you do. It's so uh, thrilling um, mm. in that respect. Like a like a car chase from a film or something almost. It's wonderful. <laughs> yeah. I think the gate enemies are my favorite addition to this one, especially when they're, um, I guess, introduced into game modes that aren't the pacifism one. Because uh, they add a, mm. a nice little kind of melee combat perspective to this, yeah. if you <laughs> yeah. will. Um, there, there's nothing more terrifying, though, than in the pacifism game mode to be rushing towards a gate and there's an enemy enemy rushing straight towards you from the other side and you just got to get there oh. first. Yeah, uh. yeah. There's nothing you can't make yourself go faster. I no. mean, you know, than a full full extent of the analog stick. So, yeah. There's, there's. I mean, that's another another aspect of the game. Trying to actually understand what it is you're doing when you're playing a game like this is you're constantly judging trajectories and speeds. Uh, well, sp speed is part mm -hmm. of trajectory, isn't it? Um, but you, you're constantly trying to um, differentiate between the trajectories of dozens of objects. Uh, and that and again that must be one of the things that the actual act of doing that and the act of intercepting a lot of those trajectories with your uh, with your own missiles must be one of the things that causes the 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 nodes in your brain to fire and create endorphins or whatever um it's inherently satisfying to do in almost in the same way as like the you know the kind of the most intense sudoku puzzle or something like that like just your brain's doing calculations but here you've got 
constant permanent threat and deadline. Uh, maybe I'm just describing video games as a whole here, but I guess maybe I'm still trying to understand why I like them so much, <laughs> why I have to do this stuff. Uh, it's absolutely mandatory. Um, and the, uh, perhaps the other sort of curious mode, and again, it's uh, it's something that's been brought on, is uh, King, isn't it? Uh, so mm. this is like King of the Hill, basically. But you're you're allowed to flit from dome to dome uh, inside which you are safe and no enemy may penetrate at least for a few seconds until it disappears while you're in a dome you're safe you can fire you can carve a path when you're outside of a dome you are useless and completely vulnerable um so this is about drawing a line across the playfield making yourself like you like uh, hacking the undergrowth with a machete you're kind of <laughs> You're kind of blasting away at, uh, at stuff to de- desperately try and give yourself a chance to get through all the vines and creepers um, before the monsters come and get you. Um, and again, I find it like it's not the mode that I would if I just boot up Retro Evolve 2 for a quick blast. It's not the one that I would uh, think of first. But if I'm doing that thing where you just go through the modes and have a couple of shots at each, I will quite enjoy it. Yeah. And um, it's another one where I don't think I'm anywhere near the, the top of my high score. Um, friends list I'm, I mean I'm in a similar place in most of them sort of fifth or six I think um, I've got a big friends list alright that's all it's not that much <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know I don't know what's worth do myself down with um, my lack of skill or, or what but uh, yeah I'd, it, it's it's a cool mode and again just another really they, they obviously Stephen Capebread and the team obviously when they were putting this this game together were just thinking of you know what's all the ways that we can take these mechanics of this you know this polygonal ship being able to fire or not and make it twist fun. them and tweak them yeah definitely yeah, yeah. there's I, another I clever um, musical touch here with with when you're in, when you're in the actual bubbles you'll yeah. hear the, the music playing through yeah. but when you're outside in the in the danger zone you'll hear almost like a kind of muted mm. like it's almost like you're you're hearing it from a distance maybe through like a some oh, underwater of, underwater that's really space, good yeah, yeah, like that, yeah, yeah. Um, and it I think it enhances that sense of this is a place you shouldn't be. This is a dangerous, yeah, this is a dangerous yeah, place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it also then ramps up because you feel like when you get into the bubble, you have to make every second count mm, before yes. it, as you see it reducing and you're like, well, there's no way out of here. Okay, yeah, let's try uh, and burst a path through. And I, I love the fact that yeah. skills you learn in pacifism come into play here because once you get to the point where there's so many enemies on the screen, you can't clear the path. What you need to do is be using the time to kill off enemies and plan a route and you're yeah. dodging. You're you're not just hacking with a machete. You are leaping and jumping over Weaving. all these obstacles just to get to safety again. It's yeah, uh, the, yeah. This game really, this mode really ramps up when the snakes come into play oh. here because the the exact thing you were talking about earlier, uh, not being able to shoot them in anything other than their heads, becomes huge because they yeah. will bounce around the outside of your little dome of safety, not even showing their heads some of the time. Yeah, you yeah. know, so they yeah. so yeah, it becomes really claustrophobic and, mm. and intense. Uh, being surrounded by all these uh, especially when a couple of snakes can cover most of the outside of the bubble um, when they're around you yeah it's yeah it feels very claustrophobic pacifism's like definitely my my best mode I mean Mm. I think I've got 68 million more than the person behind me. I think yeah. we're something ridiculous. Yeah, um, I've, I've noticed that. <laughs> that that's, that's very much it. I've lost more ability at pacifism than most people ever had to type. <laughs> <laughs> but but um, I very much feel like there, there's, a, there's a 
one set strategy that should be like the perfect strategy for pacifism. I've just not worked out what it is. Like there's something that, that if you do it, it will work every time, even with the random popping of the of the gates. Hmm. Whereas with, with King, I feel like I just can't get my head around it, even though like <laughs> you rightly say, James, there's a lot of similarity between the two modes, but I just can't seem to yeah. apply yeah. what I can do in pacifism to King in any way, shape or form. Hmm. And it's a really weird enigma about that game to me. Yeah, it feels like it's a hybrid of different modes and neither tactic for each of those two modes that it, or multiple modes it draws from kind of works 100 percent. yeah exactly mean. yeah absolutely the uh the last mode is sequence now i've never finished sequence i've never got to the end uh and i i did a bit better when going back to it this time i think um but uh there are the cer- there are certain stages of sequence which is uh, essentially it's a it's a set of challenges which uh, start you off and, and it's always the same enemies they all spawn in the same places and it's about uh, learning and dealing with those this is where the uh, the waves enemies start to actually point inwards and, and uh, warp in and aim kind of directly where your ship starts and there's even an, there's a fairly mad achievement which I suspect you've got Sinan which uh, is the yeah. smiling face one is that right? Is it smiley I face? I can't remember exactly what that achievement is, but I don't. I know I've got two hundred out of two hundred. Yeah, have to, so you have to. Sorry, go on, Leon. I'll let you. No, you go. No, you go. I James. was going to say you have to. So obviously, you have to survive every stage. In theory, you have to complete every stage. But there are some stages where you can survive the time limit, but the not fail. complete the target. Um, yeah. And and you have to do that on a certain number that create a smiley face on the sequence board out of the yes. twenty oh, wow. stages. Yeah. That's yeah, terrible. you did. You did that, Simon. <laughs> That's terrible. That I did that. I'm really ashamed. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a yeah. good thing. You got another massive score. Did you enjoy that mode then? I did, and and, and again, I know this isn't your sound of play show, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, the, there's another cool thing with with sequence that um, the music for each stage. There's, if you listen to it, stage one is the same as stage 20, stage two is the same as stage 19, stage three is the same as stage 18. So you've almost got this kind it's of thing. Where, exactly. It's a palindromic thing. It's almost like this going to hell and back thing. It's <laughs> uh, the way I look at it. It makes me feel like, you know, you've, you've gone to the, to the edge of darkness and come back and survive. Yeah, for some reason, I find that mode tough. Uh, it probably beyond how tough it actually is. There's something about the nature of it which is feels very demanding this sort of get it right now there's no kind of room for oh well i did that bit a bit dodgily but in a minute i'll i'll have a i'll have a run where i don't die for ages and i'll do some cool stuff and i'll get a load of points together this is like this is a test pass this test uh, and I find that a bit intimidating. So Geometry Wars Touch happened on the uh, on the iOS platform in 2010. Um, I've not played this, but I struggled to imagine how having all that visual information on a phone, maybe on an iPad, uh, with your thumbs all over it, trying to control things with, with touch, uh, would possibly work. I mean, you could put black borders down the sides and edges to allow space for thumbs to be that isn't covering the screen you've got even less then you lose screen space uh ipad would obviously be better in that situation than iphone um but back in 2010 iphones didn't have particularly large screens at all so um it's the tactility that would annoy me um i I like knowing where those thumbsticks are yeah and i'm not sure sure if you had dynamic thumbsticks on a screen especially that can move with your thumb I, i think i'd lose track of what direction I was doing what in. Um, yeah. I've, I've played um, plenty of decent shoot-em-ups on... Yeah, yeah and Cave, Cave especially do great 
versions of their games yeah. on iOS. But that's yeah. not having 360 type no. de- degree control, no. and no. and also your your ship is usually at the bottom of the screen rather than in the center. Yes. And and it, it doesn't matter as much. You're maybe missing out on the bottom of the screen with your fingers all over it. Interestingly, though, I'm looking at Game Rankings uh, aggregated review scores here. Now, we talked briefly about the original Retrovolve Mobile, um, and that has a, a game ranking of 68.5% from two reviews. That's probably about what you'd expect. Uh, Geometry Wars Touch from five reviews has a healthy enough 78%, so I guess it's not unplayable. But looking uh, ahead at Geometry Wars 3 Dimensions, the iOS version, seven reviews, so not not a tiny number, 95.71%. That's wow. bizarre, isn't it? So that's got to be good, right? Yes, they've figured <laughs> it out. Version of, yeah, uh, that's, that's the highest rating of any Geometry Wars game on mm. any system. Um <laughs> So mm. yeah, that sounds like worth probably worth checking out uh, if you've got a, a you know a current gen iOS device. Um, it's also an Android as well. So uh, yeah, that sounds like it might Fire be worth your investigation. Mm. So well, let's let's move on to it. Geometry Wars Three Dimensions. Uh, this came out in uh, late November twenty fourteen. Um, although the Vita version only just arrived in July 2015 when we were recording and happily is a PlayStation Plus game again, uh, harking back to the original. It's a very small download as well, so it won't take up yeah, too much precious that's... room of your overpriced memory card. <laughs> and as I say, I've played it a little bit. I've not played it as much as I've played the Xbox One version, uh, which was must shout out to uh, Graham Masson, your friend, James, uh, yeah, um, yeah. who very, very kindly bought me. Uh, Geometry Wars 3 when I had no money when I was unemployed uh, he simply said why aren't you on the leaderboards and I said I've got no money I'm unemployed and he sent me uh, he sent me a code for the money so salute to you and, sir and similarly with myself um, he, right. he said are you getting on this and I, I was I, I basically I hadn't finished typing the message saying oh, I'm not really sure and it was already <laughs> there it had been gifted to me so yeah, um, yeah. star yeah. I think he bought it for Garget as well. So, yeah, just yeah. Uh, top, top thank man. Thank you very much, Graham. Very, yeah, very thank you yeah. for that. Um, I've played a little bit of the Vita version since, although not nearly as much as I've played the Xbox One version. Um, and the Vita version seems to be a, a pretty fine port. But as I say, actually, it loses a lot of the uh, kind of extraneous effects, which actually makes things a little easier in some ways. But then the flip side is you've got the smaller screen and the smaller analog sticks. So maybe it's, you know, swings and roundabouts a bit. Sinan. You reviewed this game professionally for the sadly departed joystick. Um, what did you make of it? Um, I I liked it. Yeah, definitely liked it. Um, and I felt it was a worthy addition to the series, which is I think probably what my benchmark, my, my sort of minimum yeah. goal was for that for that game to be. I really wanted it to feel like it was uh, an important part of the series, considering it's a different developer. Different developer, absolutely. Um, yeah. Lucid Games, who were formed by. Uh, departing members of Bizarre Creations um, but hadn't done anything not, like uh, and not Stephen Cakebread himself no no mm. um, and, and hadn't done anything like Geometry Wars I think they'd done um, some uh, touch based adventure games uh, yep. uh, before that but, um, three iOS and Android games basically one one of which came to Windows and Vita but yeah nothing nothing of this nature and, and then the, the feeling, the suspicion was actually that they were going to make a racing game next rather than uh, mm. uh, a Geometry Wars, but lo and behold, Geometry Wars 3 came along. Um, yeah, so worthy addition, but, um, and I think, like we said earlier on, we, we agree on this, to me, it feels like it, like it proves that less is more. 
um, in terms of Geometry Wars mm. Retro Evolved 2. Uh, and I feel like there's just a little bit too much going on in 3 to make it feel like a game that I want to come back to regularly. And 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 it's as it's proved, I haven't come back to it regularly since it's come mm. out. Um, and I just... I We can get into the details, but I just think uh, it doesn't have that same singular cohesive feel of like, well, you know, this is all one experience that I'm just... Yeah. It feels like a lot of little different things, um, and it's hard to get into any of them for too long. So, yeah, it directs you very much straight towards its campaign mode, a story mode, which is a, a first for the series, unless you count galaxies. Um, but this is very much front and centre. Um, and the thing is about that, like, I think individual, it, it's incre- it's an incredibly generous package in a lot of ways. And even more so when they added a whole bunch of new stuff with a free update, which now has made the game officially Geometry Wars 3 Dimensions Evolved. So it's basically, you get the sequel for free uh, now as well, um, which has a whole other campaign mode and an even harder core mode on top of that and some new one-off modes and things. But I think you're exactly right. It's like the the old modes, the classic modes, are hidden away on another menu. And I think that almost does them a disservice because a lot of people will just go, well, here's the story. And I think that I, I like the idea of those story levels having their own individual criteria for completion and the fact that you can return back to them later on with better power-ups that you've you've upgraded and get better scores and continue to challenge the leaderboard. And there is quite a bit of leaderboard action on my Xbox One version. I suspect mm. if I had the PS4 version, I would have even more different friends to play against. But I think that lack of focus that Retro Evolve 2 had, where it was, right, six modes or whatever, everyone's playing them. Everyone just goes in, jumps in. There's no, there's no, you can't buy a power up in Retro Evolve 2. So there's no, yeah, there's no opportunity to do what I've been doing, which is to say, the first story level in three, the first time you play it through, you probably get one star and and whatever score and you move on and you play the next level. What most people I don't think will do who aren't into score chasing, they won't go off, collect, unlock the various different ambient and controlled extra power ups, boost them up with lots and lots of geoms, which you have to you know earn by playing and playing and playing and then go back to that same level and demolish the original score by a tune of millions and millions and then so you end up with this slightly wonky leaderboard situation where you've got the people who really care about the game there's a very few of those you can no longer have coming back to what ryan was talking about about you don't know what situation people are playing this game in the thing about the original retro evolved and two was that you could really only yes you don't know what situation they're playing in but the game is the game is the game. There's no, there's no short, you know, sort of action replay cartridges or something. Yeah, there's no, there's no way of changing. Or, it. Yeah, exactly. No. What, um, what did you take into the into the game? Yeah, and in a way, I think it's interesting because I think, like you said, Ryan, it actually brings back some of the strategy, and I think it's fun playing around with the new power ups and seeing what they do. But in another way, it dilutes the intensity of the and the purity of the high score challenge. Yeah, I, I would tend to agree. I think the thing that does almost force you to go back to some levels is that there is there's three stars per level and there are star gates thereafter that if you're not getting at least two stars per each level in adventure True. mode, you're going to hit a gate where you haven't got enough stars and you have to go back. I had to do that um, 
only for a couple of levels to grab a couple of extra stars, but it forced me to then think, right, let's just blitz through the first 10 levels again and see how many extra stars I can get. And I'm collecting geomes the whole time so I can level up the 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 extra power-ups as well. So um, I think it does kind in of... in and of itself. Like these things yeah, that used yeah. to be such immense challenges, kind of like uh, running through the early stages of Dark Souls again. It's like, oh yeah, no problem now, now that I have all yeah, my upgrades. Yeah, that's six-hour and... sections, 20 minutes now, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. You know, I'm going to be a bit contrarian yeah. on this one and say that this mm-hmm. is actually by far my favorite game in the series. And maybe sure. that's because I don't have that kind of leaderboard draw because I do understand mm. that the uh, the way that the story mode is set up in creating these little microcosm challenges along the way uh, would splinter the leaderboards. And so, you know, people can specialize on level 23 and they could be the only person who really cares about that level enough to, uh, to challenge the leaderboards, especially if you're just doing friend leaderboards instead of a global leaderboard. But, um, yeah, you know, for me, who's just interested in playing the game for the game's sake, uh, that level of variety and all the different game modes and stuff that they introduced really kept it fresh for me all the way through added a lot of uh, just really exciting variety, um, new things for me to discover constantly. Um, just, uh, mm. It's really cool. I, I didn't care much for the bosses, which I'm sure we'll talk more no. about. But mm. I, I did like the uh, the more kind of 3D plane aspect of this one. It, it kind of harks back yeah. to uh, like Super Stardust HD, which was a big hit on the yeah. PlayStation 3's marketplace. Um, and it, it yeah. definitely took a few ideas from Super Mario Galaxy um, but it, it modernized the Geometry Wars element, or I guess a gameplay style, in really interesting ways. And actually, it, it was one that connected with me more than any of the other ones did. Yeah, absolutely fair enough, and I, and I can totally see it. I mean, it is it is a terrific package, and I think if, if anything, Lucid actually managed to refine the feel of control mm, of the ship mm. even more than they managed in Retro Two. It feels smoother and slicker. The shooting feels more accurate, I find, than than Two. But um, but yeah, it's just those other few things that that it, it's it's not it's not so much the game itself because actually, if you take if you take everything that Geometry Wars Three has in it, it has all the th- it has pretty much everything that the, its predecessors had and more. It's about the way it presents them, and mm. like the, yes. I think it's absolutely criminal the fact that some of the what used to be the standard classic modes are you know, may, maybe this is people's fault as much as the developers. But the fact that they are a couple of menus back and a few button presses in, it makes them feel like they're relegated, and it means that a lot of people haven't even played like the deadline mode. Yeah. So I go to my I go to my friend's leaderboard looking at dead uh, deadline and there's like there's only three people on it whereas you can see that six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve people have played the story mode but the high scores on there are not um, incomparable in the same way so I think yeah that seems to be a bit of a an oversight from my point of view and even even in those extra modes I think some of I think I think it varies, but some of them you can take your unlocked power ups and stuff in. Not the really classic modes. I think they they stay outside right. of that. But but even that can af- can affect things. And 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 actually, again, I suppose in a way, I think that's fair because it adds it adds a layer of something. But the fact that you have to effectively grind to improve your power ups means that it 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 stops it being possible for like one of my mates on Retro Evolve Two to just have a great night on one mode and set a score that i won't beat for five years on three you can't really do that because the 
the power-ups, the ambient power-ups and the the secondary, you know, kind of not the bomb but the other power-up is they they can completely transform high scores, mm-hmm. you know, from from nothing scores to everything scores. I, I, I can, all that in mind, I can certainly get behind what you're saying, Ryan. I mean, it's, I think those, those 50 initial levels, and I've not gone through all the ultimate levels, I think I'm up to 20 at the moment. Ugh, so um, hard. They are really <laughs> tricky. Um, yeah. But they, they, they do an amazing job of keeping things fresh, like you're saying, and just, which is surprising considering there aren't that many new modes. In fact, a lot of the modes are, a lot of the levels are old modes. Mm. Um, but it's just, it's just the way that they've, tried to change up the level design with the restrictions um with the with the, with the objectives and uh, to do that through 50 levels um and somehow make it feel fun to go back and replay mm. those levels because you have to get if you're like me you have to get three stars in every <laughs> single level um it, it is a really big achievement but at, just like neil saying somehow that as great as that is that that magic for me is not there in in dimensions and a lot of it i what frustrates me uh is that if i think a lot of simple things could have corrected it um like one of the big things i think a, a, a cumulative score similar to pac-man championship edition dx mm. would have done a huge difference just knowing that there's one leaderboard that just shows you all of your i don't know scores total together in some weird formulaic way just saying well i okay maybe i can get a bit higher if i go and play level 23 mm. which i know i'm really good at um mm. which is how i did pac-man championship edition dx i went back and and made sure that i was you know getting <laughs> yes, high scores. And, yeah i was really good at that game um <laughs> <laughs> but uh but yeah something like that is a, a really small maybe it's not it's hard to code but it's probably a, quite a small addition actually um and it could have made a whole world of difference to that game I think um, leader. So I I agree with with Sina, and I think the the fifty modes. I haven't got to the end of the fifty modes. I should say in uh, yeah. the adventure mode, um, they have some great tweaks. There's times where I read the the description of it and then start the gate the mode up, and I'm not actually sure what's going to be different this time because you mm. get moving red parts to the level, etc. Yeah, the, I got touch. to the the ten minute long deadline. Um, Mm, epic yeah absolutely and you don't know until you get to within the last 30 seconds really whether or not you're going to be able to get this score because it's all dependent as you mentioned leon on how many geomes you've collected and therefore how quickly you're racking up score Uh, but what that actually did um I, i tried it a couple of times didn't get the score i needed um what that actually did was prompt me to think, wouldn't it be great? Because the way I played the original Retro Evolves, I set myself mini targets. I'd, yes. I had to get to 100,000 without dying. Otherwise, I may as well restart the run. And it felt yeah. it's not true, but it kind of felt like it, it almost was. Because if I was doing that badly that I hadn't survived to 100,000, I was never going to get over 200,000 just mm. because it gets manic. Um, and get to 100,000 without using a bomb as well. You know, again, just have that in yeah. stock wouldn't it be great if on the leaderboards and i don't know how they would do this without distracting you too much but if it could show you where you were at on your previous high score Split times yeah or, exactly yeah, effectively break it down same and give as you trials, extra information yeah. yeah uh you know in the same way that with formula one it used to be you just get your lap times now you get then it was three sort of checkpoints through the lap, and now it's yeah, pretty yeah. much every yeah. ten seconds they can tell whether or not they're on time. Well, or not. speed runners, yeah, uh, absolutely. you know exactly have these, where you um, need to be at a certain point. Yeah, yeah. all have these split run, uh, split time. So it'd be uh, great, displays. even if it was just a plus or a minus next to it to show whether you were ahead or behind your last. Such run. a great idea, um, Lucid. You could patch that in for goodness' sake. But yeah, it, it, I don't know whether they keep that. I mean, they could keep that information running through like a yeah. ghost mode on a, a Mario Kart or something. 
exactly. Um, yeah, yeah, I think that would be a really cool addition. It's a great really. idea. Um, Getting back they to tire you. <laughs> they should. <laughs> Getting back to what you were saying about the six game modes, Leon. I've always thought. I also thought it, would, it was a bit of a missed opportunity because I think, and we'll get into it. I'm sure some of the new game modes introduced in Dimensions are really great, really, really strong. Um, mm. It's a shame that there aren't defining versions of these to sit alongside the six classic ones, yeah. like a definitive sniper uh, one or a definitive checkpoint one. Yeah. Um, mm. Because that would be another way I'd probably come back to this game and play it more. Instead of adventure yeah. mode and arcade version of those, if you like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So do you want to pick out a few of these um, chaps, who, some of these new uh, types of um, goal, as it were, that that you enjoyed from this game? Um, you know, such as, such as the sniper mode and things like that. Well, yeah, I think sniper is probably my favourite because it, it completely changes how you play. Yeah, uh, the game. Yeah, um, like for, for especially Retro Evolve Two, where it's just like I'm going to shoot as many things as quickly as possible. Blah blah blah. I'm just going to get through this. Suddenly, snipers tells you you've got a limited amount of uh, of ammo, think, ammo, no. and yeah. uh, and so suddenly you find like, okay, I actually have to aim properly. Like think about where I'm shooting yeah, rather yeah. than just generally point direction. Um, and it and it's the game suddenly becomes a completely different yeah. experience. Um, all by one restriction, and that's that's the kind of clever stuff that made Retro Evolve Two really exciting to me. Yeah. So, um, Sniper is a really great one. Um, oh, I put it in my review, so you might have, I have just come from your review. It's fine. Uh, yeah. Let me go to my review. <laughs> I, I think speaking uh, of um, Sniper, that's one where as well when you're getting some of the the super states that allow you multiple bullets. I, w- I was frantically looking at my bullet counter. Is this wasting? No, it doesn't waste bullets. Brilliant. Fantastic. Carry on yeah. as you are, um, where you get, yeah. you know, uh, shots out the back or you get the five bullet spread rather than the three. Um, yeah, it really worried me, but, um, but sure enough, it was absolutely fine. And, um, I believe that was one that I really didn't like the first one I played of it, but the second one, probably just because I got a decent score on the leaderboard, I was like, Oh no, this <laughs> mode's good. Yeah. I like this one. <laughs> I really liked the scorpion mode, where you you have this trail that's uh, that's tailing behind your, oh, yeah. your yeah. ship, and you yeah. kind of have to herd enemies into little groups and then encircle them and make them run into your tail, kind of like a yes. reverse snake, snake yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, or Tron cycles. Yeah. I, I like how like many of the uh, new modes <laughs> use the control scheme from Geometry Wars and almost kind of transformed it into a different genre of games, almost. <laughs> And, and drew from other kind of classic arcade era games and uh, I don't know just a lot of really neat interesting new additions another thing that I did want to talk about um, too many levels in the story mode where you only get one life I think really just yeah. unnecessarily yeah. punitive and I think the bosses um, I, I understand what they've done with the bosses where if you just kill them you might not even get one star because it pretty much demands mm. that you kill some mobs to get uh, some ads to get um to get in onto the onto the sort of the the star spectrum but the fact that a lot of these bosses are you know they they're fairly challenging and to only give you one attempt to to do it i thought i think it's a bit harsh and yeah. there's a quite a few levels dotted throughout the game which only only allow you one life and that seems a bit a bit tough really um especially now that there's a hardcore alternative, yeah. which, you know, for, for masochists. I was just going to say, I think it's a little bit in contrast or maybe incongruent with um, that arcade feel of the of Geometry Wars. At least that's what I kind of associate it with. And it, maybe that's just 
uh, personal like preference of what I want Geometry mm. Wars to be to me because actually uh, one of the games Ryan mentioned Super Stardust HD I mean you can put 60 minutes into one of those games and not beat your high score Yeah, um, but I love that game um, mm. so I can do masochistic don't get me wrong but <laughs> for some reason it, I had a little bit of, of that same issue with with Geometry Wars 3 yeah I'm all for having uh, like a one life mode included as uh, and, and having having that there but to to make it a, a make or break because it's a role uh, le- yeah, level. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah there's too many um, project or uh, progress gates along the way from the bosses to it. some really difficult levels that were just spotted all about yeah. and if you couldn't beat yeah. them you just can't play the rest of the game which is unfortunate because there's some really nice stuff later on and so <clears throat> i'm kind of worried that it's keeping some of its audience from experiencing the full product yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, again, it asks, I think, the way to get through some of those levels. I mean, ultimately, skill uh, and practice are the ultimate barriers. But some of those levels that seem tough are ones that can be made easier by getting the right power-ups, going back, powering them up with geoms, you know, putting them up. Because each of them has, like, four or five grades of power, doesn't it? So you need 2,500 or whatever or or similar to to start powering it up, and, and, and that goes up that increases so you need quite a lot but you can end up with uh like a pair of, of pretty impressive power-ups like something that lays mines something that just adds enormous amounts to your 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 spray of firepower mm-hmm. and that can all make uh, a seemingly impo- impassable level passable but again it asks a lot for the player to go back and grind to 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 do that if if the player just wants to get to yeah. the end of the of the story and see the yeah. see the end sequence or yeah whatever. which it's surprising that they have gates on some of the levels in terms of the number of stars. It's surprising they don't allow you to skip a level. If you're just banging your head against a level and can't get past it, it's surprising mm. they don't allow you, based on the number of stars you've got, to have unlocked mm. two or three to always be able to have another one to try. Um, which similar games based on that that often come from sort of uh, mobile gaming where you have the kind of star mm. unlock type thing, Angry Birds, for example. Um, often in that case you can skip over a level if if you just can't manage it if you can't get a star we'll go on to the next one you'll find it's your the modern way yeah yeah and i think this um, game being you know harking back to yeah. old arcade games perhaps doesn't have so much truck with mm. that but i think ultimately if it might in enhance your audience's enjoyment or get more pe- more people talking about yeah. how much fun they've had with the game rather than how how frustrated they've become especially given maybe, there's ultimate and hardcore modes do, do, well, that in, exactly. do that in those make it easy to get through the first time then pile exactly. on the, the difficulty I think with the That's the, what I think. the bosses uh, one of the things that got me as well is you can sometimes focus uh, several times I had three stars I wasn't even halfway done killing the boss because I focused yeah. way too much on mm-hmm. killing the enemies and they mm. continue to increase in uh, number and difficulty and so you can be playing the hardest boss fight of your life and you haven't even actually tackled the boss yet um, so there was times <laughs> yeah. where I was looking at a score and thinking I've just dwarfed everyone's score on my leaderboard died and got nothing for it what is going on yeah and, that's painful and it's because I hadn't understood because there's slight differences to the boss fights actually once you've done a couple you realise they're all kind of the boss yeah. and them's all the same um, mm. but one in particular Emerald because it, at one point you've got to target smaller enemies around there's three smaller enemies that are circling the globe that you have to defeat before you can then go back to the boss and because they were off screen when i happened to be trying to do this um 
I, I just hadn't twigged that's what I needed to do and ended up, yeah, ploughing a good half hour into repeating this over and over again. You know, mm-hmm. credit my own stupidity with that, certainly, but it just seems like there's too many distractions in terms of what your actual focus is. And I think I ended up saying to you, Leon, I don't know how you passed that level with as mm. low a score as you did because <laughs> <laughs> yeah even focusing well, was- just on the boss you have to kill some enemies um yeah. and i think the trick with the boss fights is uh, just to go back to something you said leon um if you just beat the boss and kill nothing else i think the bonus you get will pop you over that one star right and then it, okay. to get the yeah i think the idea is yeah. In the boss, you pass, you get a star, that's you okay. done. And then the trick that's is, can you kill enough else as well? But I just don't think... I didn't find the bosses, any of them, very interesting, either visually or in terms mm. of what they do. Uh, there's 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 very little uh, of the invention of, of certain other games, you know, in terms of tactics or strategy yeah. or... or, yeah. or Mm. I, I think it's, it could have worked in principle, but there's something there. Maybe there are just a few too many things that are slightly off about it. I think one of the things that I found, again, repeating myself, the music in, in the boss modes are just a little bit, just a bit dull and generic mm. compared to the rest of the game. All right, uh, time is running out. So, uh, like deadline, um, <laughs> I will uh, I will speak uh, on behalf now of our one and only correspondent for this game uh, that's p- probably partly our fault because uh, I didn't get the uh, the correspondence thread up early enough but also I think it's just one of those games that people aren't necessarily quite so or series of games uh, that motivated to wax lyrical about for whatever reason but obviously I think over the last couple of hours we've just proved that you certainly can uh, <laughs> and you should talk a lot about a game like this and yeah you should um, but Alex Dola was uh, moved to talk about his Geometry Wars experience uh, on the forum canerince.com slash forum you can always email as well podcast at canerince.com alex says my first taste of geometry wars was retro evolved on the xbox 360 it was one of if not the first xbox live arcade games i purchased after owning the console i thought it was brilliant Thinking back, it may well have been the first twin-stick shooter I'd ever played, and I was amazed at how natural the controls felt and how well it played. Of course, I'd played the likes of Smash TV, etc. on consoles and computers before this point, but let's not forget, they were adapted for gamepads. You couldn't get that proper twin-stick arcade experience at home playing on a SNES. Retro Evolved was a lot of fun, but ultimately throwaway, I think. It wasn't until the sequel that things really started to get interesting. I spent ages playing all the different modes, probably spending the most amount of time on pacifism. It seemed like a really cool idea. No bullets, but you can blow up the enemies by flying through the gates. The neat addition of mini high score tables on the menu screen next to each mode really added legs to the game, gave you a solid reason to keep playing. Just one more go. When the third game came out, I must admit I wasn't all that interested. I'd enjoyed the first two games a lot, but I still had them, and this seemed to bring very little extra to the party. I picked it up for my Vita on PS Plus last month and have played it a bit. My initial impression was right. It doesn't add a great deal. But all the same, it's nice to have a fantastically made arcade shooter in my pocket. And again, the high score tables are good for earning bragging rights. At the time of writing, I only appear to have Ratso on mine. That's me. And suffice to say, he's beaten any scores I've managed so far. So whilst I would never have paid for the third game, not full price anyway, it's an awesome freebie and I'm very glad I have it. I can't honestly say I'm excited about the future of the series, since I think we've more than likely seen all it can offer. But as a trilogy of neon-lit, high-speed arcade shooters, I think only Resogun stands in the way of the top spot. Great games. Thanks, Alex. 
All right. We've also got a few three word reviews uh, from Twitter at Kane and Rince. Always look out for the shout out on the day of recording. And let's start with James. SMW says anger, adrenaline, jubilance. Moby, don't know if it's that one, says shooty, swirly colour. Catboy, eyes are bleeding. Fuzzy Dan says annoying green thing. <laughs> PG Tip 77, beat your friends. Jamie Rathbone is in the zone. And GS Mason, one more go. Excellent stuff. Uh, yeah, interestingly, nothing really critical there other than the word anger, but uh, it's not even a criticism. <laughs> really. It's part, it's part of the course. Yeah. Okay, um, to summarise then, I think uh, we, we've, we've got a sense of what we all think, but yeah. um, I guess uh, sum up your experiences and uh, would you recommend people jumping in anywhere, if anywhere? James? Uh, yeah, sure. It's actually really straightforward for me. I think Retro Evolved was very much of its time. Uh, it was one of the game's instrumental kickstarting XPLA. I wouldn't necessarily recommend going back to it when you can play that mode in other games. I think Retro Evolved 2 is of all times. I think that is is definitive in as, a, as an arcade shooter game for me. Um, the fact that all those modes are in Dimensions... Uh, three dimensions, I should say, means that, uh, and given the this breadth of platforms it's on versus the previous games, I think this is where you go. I think the, the, there are mistakes made with how it was marketed and the way that ad- the adventure mode is front and centre instead of splitting that a bit more and being a bit more even-handed. But I think it's an absolutely fantastic game. I'm certainly looking forward to getting back and playing some more of it, uh, having dipped my toe back in this week. Um, I, I think it's a great anthology collection and not having played Super Stardust and having bounced off Resogun a bit uh, to my shame, uh, this is what I think of when I think of modern day arcade sort of shooters in the twin stick vein it's it's sublime Thanks James Ryan? The original, well, I guess not the original but Geometry Wars Retro Evolved which is where I began felt like a real, uh, I guess, definitive moment in the creation of the Xbox Live Arcade. Um, It was, I I don't know, in many ways, it kind of modernized the twin-stick shooter uh, type formula and is always the game that I go back to when I think of the new twin-stick shooters. And it kind of provided the, uh, the framework in which the Xbox Live Arcade kind of existed for a while. Like, this was the type of game that everybody compared their games against and so in that way it was kind of my gateway into downloadable digital games on the xbox 360 and so it kind of has a very special place in my own heart because of that but it's also been really exciting in its own right to watch this series evolve um you know something really simple and really focused like this that is you know very arcadey very high score chasing kind of minimalistic in a lot of ways uh it's it's been exciting to see the new directions that they've taken kind of culminating in uh in uh three evolved which is uh, a game that i've and that i've really loved spending time with myself and you know there's so much really uh it's new and exciting content in that one there's so many new ways that they're able to shake up that really simple formula and add 
you know, restrictions or additional powers that completely change the way that you play the game. And so, yeah, I, I definitely recommend picking up at least the most recent one as it is a a constantly mind-bending experience. And anything that is is going to give me a, a different play experience or almost a different genre of game in each level that I play is is fine by me. And that's the exact kind of novelty and, and constant refreshing that I always look for in my games. Thank you, Ryan. Uh, it's a bit of a bugbear of mine that um, the gaming community at large seems to uh, sort of wince at the idea of buying anything that's like a few years old. Um, uh, I think it's crazy. If you imagine recommending a film or a, or an album from 2008 to a friend, they wouldn't say, well, it's a few years old, isn't it? I mean, it can't <laughs> be any good now. <clears throat> good Geometry Wars Retro Evolve 2 is from 2008, and I would absolutely still recommend it, especially if uh, if it uh, if it comes uh, to Xbox One as a, as a backwards compatible title. The leaderboards still work. The achievements will still unlock. Just because the frenzy of people playing it after the summer of arcade 2008 has ended doesn't mean that there, there can't be a whole load of people playing it now for high schools, especially among your friends lists. Um, it would be great if, you know, a number of Kane and Rince listeners went out and, and discovered this game. Now that said, I can understand people might not want to. And Geometry Wars three dimensions is a, is a ter- terrific package. Um, especially with the uh, the free update the the evolved package to that it really is um comprehensive and uh, even though i think it's got some stodgy menus and some slightly bizarre presentation like the fact that it every time you boot it up on xbox one at least it says you must be logged in to yeah. play this game or something like it's like what <laughs> the, no game tells you that firstly it's obvious secondly that's a really ugly title screen you've got there and i know that doesn't sound like much but after the presentation of retro evolve 2 it seems like a quite a backward step um but overall yeah it's still it's still a terrific game lots and lots of hours of of shooty fun and you know we talked in depth about why the gameplay is entertaining to us um and yeah that absolutely all works it's slick and it's compelling and uh and just really satisfying as well. Blowing up enormous amounts of stuff into tiny little bits is is as fun as it was back in Robotron days in the early 80s. So play one of these games, but probably two or three. And for fans of the series who haven't, uh, I do recommend that you seek out Galaxies because it's something I intend to do as, uh, as well myself. And let's conclude with our special guest, Sinan Kuba. Uh, I'm not sure what I can add, except um, I kind of agree with what everyone said. Um Maybe a bit, especially Leon. Um, no, thank you. I, well, of course. <laughs> uh, I mean, when I think of like games that def- define consoles, I guess I think of Retro Evolve 2. Like, it's, it's similar to me, sort of Uncharted 2 to the PS3, Super Mario yeah. Galaxy to the Wii. Like, it's one of those games that I just, if someone buys an Xbox 360, I would tell them to download Retro Evolve 2, like day Completely. one. Yeah. Um, it's, it's just such a, a great experience. Um, and I mentioned, if you, don't want two dimensions is a great uh, second place game to go to to me, but it's not doesn't quite match Retro Evolve Two. Fantastic, uh, thank you, one and all. It does just remain for me, Leon, to thank James and Brian and our guest Sinan. Lovely to have you back on. We'll see you again for something else that you're passionate about in the future. I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. 
Thank you. And remind you, listeners, that next time in issue 189, what happens when a planned piece of Halo DLC expands and absorbs influences such as Blade Runner and Firefly along the way? It's Halo 3 ODST. 